It is inexhaustible and indescribable, but I'm thankful I do get to experience it. And it's good to know God's love. Amen. The whole world, the whole world in some degree, I, I guess, has experienced the love of God. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. But it's so heartbreaking to know that there's so many people that even though they've experienced it to a certain measure, they don't know anything about it. And uh, I don't want to be selfish with the love of God, uh, but I, I want to be the kind of Christian that finds somebody else to be able to show God's love through my life. And, and that's what our life is about. The theme of our life is about God's love. That's what changed the story of our life. Uh, we were lost and hopeless without God, but God. That's why John 3.16, that's John 3.16, for God so loved the world and changed the story of our life. Amen. Wonderful singing. Appreciate what's been done in the service so far. Let's go to the book of 1 Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter number 17, and we're going to look at a character in a very familiar passage of scripture. And uh, several characters that are represented here, of course, we're familiar with David. David's the hero of this passage. And we have Saul, who is the king of the nation of Israel at this time. We also have a very familiar character by the name of Goliath, who is the enemy of Israel, defying the God of Israel. Uh, but I want to look at a character in this passage that uh, is, not, is not looked at quite as, much, as often as the other characters uh, but just do a little study tonight on his life and really focus on one aspect of it. So let's stand together, and if you found chapter 17 of the book of 1 Samuel, look with me in verse number 28, and uh, we'll read verse number 28 uh, down through, uh, we'll read about verse number 31 to 32, and then pray, ask for the Lord's help tonight. 1 Samuel 17, 28, and Eliab, his eldest brother heard when he spake unto the men, and Eliab's anger was kindled against David, and he said, Why camest thou down hither? And with whom hast thou left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know thy pride and the naughtiness of thine heart, for thou art come down that thou mightest see the battle. And David said, What have I now done? Is there not a cause? And he turned from him toward another, and spake after the same manner, and the people answered him again after the former manner. And when the words were heard which David spake, they rehearsed them before Saul, and he sent for them. Now I want you to look with me back in verse number 28, and I'm going to give you my title, and I've got to ask you to please not be offended by my title, because it's going to sound rude, and it's going to sound sarcastic, but I don't mean it that way. I hope it'll just kind of help us this stick in our mind, okay? The title of my message tonight is I want to preach on you don't know as much as you think you know. Or I could say I don't know as much as I think I know. We don't know as much as we think we know. Now I want you to look with me in verse 28 and I want to pull this one, these two words out of this text and then we'll put it back in and look at a few other places in these verses. But in about the middle of this text, after Eliab asked several questions of David, he says, I know thy pride. And of course, when you look at this scripture, Eliab didn't know as much as he thought he knew. And if I had a subtitle, it would be simply this, the danger of assumptions. The danger of assumptions. So let's pray. This is going to be a very, very practical message. Uh, but let's pray. Ask for the Lord's help tonight. Lord, thank you for letting us be here in your house. 
on this Wednesday evening. And it's been good, Lord, to reminisce about the old story as the choir sung about. And, Lord, to think about your love and how it's changed our life. And the Lord, we certainly are thankful for it. And, Lord, I pray that you'd help us as we open your word. I pray that you'd help me to preach what you've put on my heart. This is somewhat of an intimidating message to me, but, but uh, Lord, I, I know that it'll help us. At least you've helped me through this text, and I pray that you'd use it for your glory and your honor. I'm thinking about Dad and the service there in Cherokee, and I pray, Lord, that you'd bless Dad and that revival through the rest of the week. We love you, and we certainly will thank you for all that you do, because anything good that's done is because of you. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for standing. You can be seated. Now, before we get into this text, I want you to think with me just a little bit about the idea of assumptions. And, you know, I preached a few weeks ago when I was filling in for Dad on the life of Joseph and how, uh, how that, that Jacob, Joseph's father, made an assumption based on the bloody coat that had been handed to him. And from that, my mind had just really kind of been meditating on several places in the Word of God where you see assumptions play out and the effect that they have in people's lives. Now, let me say this just in the beginning. I've got a lot to try to unpack in this text, so I'm going to try to hurry. But I'll say this, that assumptions are a natural tendency. Uh, they're just they're something that's a part, it's, it's a part of our life. It's the way that our brain is wired. In fact, assumptions are really a testimony of our intellect. It means that we're thinking, and it, 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 it's the way our brain, it's amazing how God created our brain. As much as scientists and doctors have studied it, we still don't understand completely how our brain works. It's the most complicated computer that has been created, created by the Lord. And, and it's, assumptions are sometimes the way that our brain puts together the pieces of a missing puzzle. As we, we through our intelligence, we'll start to put in information where it's missing, and that's what, that's what really generates assumptions in our life. Um, one thing also I'll say, and I think we'll see this very clearly in these verses tonight, that assumptions can be very misleading. Sometimes assumptions will make us so confident that something is, a, is the truth. Even though we don't have any evidence of it, there are no facts to support our assumptions, but it'll make us so confident that it's the truth that it will lead us and misdirect us in our life. You've probably seen the video clips of contestants on Wheel of Fortunes. One of the funniest things that I've ever seen in my life is you'll watch contestants on Wheel of Fortune and those letters will begin to pop up on the, the screen. And have you ever watched somebody that was so sure they knew what that screen said? And they, they wanted to solve it. And I mean, they were so confident in what they said because their mind had already put together the pieces and they had made an assumption. And then the embarrassment of it is they say it and they get it wrong. And uh, that, that to me is hilarious. And it's something that really illustrates the way that assumptions work in our life. How many times I've been embarrassed before by assumptions that I've made. Things that I was so sure about that I had already put the pieces together in my mind and I was confident that that was the fact, but assumption has misled me. And why are assumptions important? You know, I thought about this. You don't hear a lot of preaching about assumptions. You'll find several places in the scripture where uh, the Bible kind of deals with the idea and how we should respond to situations. But assumptions are very important because they carry a lot of weight in our life. You know, there have been families that have been divided just on assumptions. There have been churches that have been split just on assumptions. 
There have been, I, I know for a fact, there have been people that have left our church based on assumptions. And, and you could talk to them and plead with them, and, 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 but in their mind, they had already made it up. They already thought they knew the truth. And I'm telling you, there are people that they're, they're on the job. Their career has been changed because of assumptions. So assumptions play a huge role in our life. And I think as we look at the life of Eliab, he gives us a great example of what assumptions can do to us if we allow them to be uh, the truth and we, they, we allow them to be reality in our life. So let me just give you a few things. I'm going to try to be very quick, but I want us to look in these verses and look at Eliab and the danger of assumptions. Now, first of all, I want to go through these verses and I want to outline what his assumptions were. What are the things that he had concluded in his own mind? Uh, one of the definitions I read about assumption or assuming something is, is that it's something that is believed to be true without question and without proof. In fact, I'll say this about assumptions, even though we can't get rid of them, and sometimes they can work positively in our lives. Sometimes assumptions are a good thing. None of us want to be just that person who blindly believes everything we see and and, and just is always being duped by somebody. So sometimes assumptions are a good thing. Sometimes they're beneficial in our life. But, but really, you can, you can study just kind of the science of critical thinking. And one thing about assumptions is that detectives, especially in the criminal world, is you always question the assumption. That's usually how you get to the truth. So one thing I want to say before we get into this is that assumptions are something that we have no right to. In fact, I want to read you this definition. This is what the Webster's 1828 Dictionary said about it. It said that to assume is to take or take upon one. It differs from receive in not applying an offer to give. So basically what he's saying is an assumption is something that we take without it being offered to us. In fact, sometimes assumption is, is, a, is a form of robbery. We, we take something that we have no right, we have no evidence, we have no facts to base it on, okay? So let's look at these assumptions. First of all, I want you to notice in this text how that Eliab assumed irresponsibility. Now, of course, we know the story. They're on the battlefield. The nation of Israel is facing the Philistines. Goliath, the champion of the Philistines, is standing there defying the, the God of Israel. David, as we'll see in a minute, commanded by his father, comes down to the battlefield. He begins to talk to the men. He's not, in fact, not even talking to Eliab, but Eliab interjects himself in this conversation, and he begins to throw accusations at David. And there's a few assumptions that you'll find in these accusations that he mentioned. First of all, he assumes your responsibility. Now look with me in verse number 28 at what Eliab said. Uh, he said, uh, let, me, let me just give you the phrase in the middle of the verse, the question he asked. He said, with whom hast thou left those few sheep in the wilderness? So the first thing Eliab assumed in David's, in, uh, the th first thing he assumed in David's life was that David was being irresponsible. He, he just makes the assumption that David has recklessly neglected his duty and has come down to the battlefield. So that's assumption number one. Assumption number two, look in verse number 28 as well. He assumes David's intentions. In fact, Eliab makes a very bold statement, the phrase that I just mentioned to you in opening. He said, I know thy pride and the naughtiness of thine heart. 
For thou art come down that thou mightest see the battle. He not only assumes irresponsibility, but he assumes that David's intentions of being here is just so that he can see this war. Just because David wants to see some blood and guts and he's the young kid that's never got to see it before. Now, of course, we're going to look in a second. That wasn't David's intentions, but that's what Eliab, and I believe Eliab was 100% convinced that this is the reason David was here. Assumption number three, you'll find that he assumed David's iniquity. Here's what he said. He said, I know thy pride and the naughtiness of thine heart. Even though when we look at David in this text, we see someone who is a hero. We see someone who is the ultimate standard of doing what is right. But Eliab says, I assume that you're here with a sinful purpose. With, he calls it the naughtiness of his heart. So that's interesting how Eliab makes these assumptions. Now real quick, let me give you four things just to kind of break this down. I want you to look first of all at the reality of his assumptions. Now here's one thing that we know is true. That Eliab's assumptions are a lot different than David's reality. And there are so many times in our life, and I'm telling you, the assumptions are something that the devil uses so keenly to deter us and to deceive us toward doing something wrong. Because so many times our assumptions and reality do not connect. So many times assumptions and reality are two different things. Even though it's our reality and to us it seems like the truth. But we understand we're not in the woke movement that we can have our own truth. The truth is the truth. And our assumptions and our reality may not line up with reality and with the truth. So let's look at... What is it he missed? Well, first of all, you look at the reality and you see that David was compliant. Now look with me back in verse number 17. This is the command that was given to him by Jesse. It says, And Jesse said unto David his son, Take now for thy brethren an ephath of this parched corn and these ten loaves and run to the camp to thy brethren. So Eliab assumes that David is here in iniquity, but David is only here in obedience to do what his father told him to do. So assumption and reality are two different things in this text. Not only does he mention his compliance, and let me just mention this verse. You've probably quoted or heard this verse quite a bit, but it's a great verse to go in this text. Eliab had no, he had no business why David was here. This was his father's business. His father was the one that had sinned. I thought about the verse, Romans 14, verse number 4, when, when Paul was talking about our Christian liberty, and he said, Who art thou that judgest another man's servant? And sometimes in assumptions, we sit ourselves in the seat of judgment over someone that we have no business judging them. They're not our servant. David was not Eliab's son. He didn't have to know that Jesse had sent him. This really wasn't any of his business. He just put himself in this situation. So David was being compliant. That's one reality that's very different from Eliab's assumption. David was capable. Notice verse number 20. You're probably well aware of this fact. But verse number 20, David arose early in the morning and left the sheep with a keeper. Eliab had assumed, assumed irresponsibility. But in reality, David wasn't foolish enough just to run off and to leave the sheep. He had made sure that his sheep was taken care of before he ever left and did what his father commanded. So number two, strike number two, Eliab. Look at verse number three. You'll also notice in verse 17 and 18 that David was caring. Verse number 17, I read that already. He said to run to the camp of thy brethren. Verse 18, and carry these ten cheeses unto the captain of their thousand. And look how thy brethren fare. 
So David was here. His purpose that was given to him by his father was to come here and to give supplies to his brothers and to see how they were doing. In fact, Eliab doesn't know this when he's assuming ill about his brother is that his brother has something that he needs. His brother has something that would be beneficial to him if he would just step down off of the seat of judgment and assumptions and be the brother that he's supposed to be. And you know one thing that assumptions will do in our life is they'll rob us from getting what another brother or sister in Christ could offer us. You know, I, I think this is true. If we're part of the family of God, every one of us have something to offer one another. That's the great part about being the body. But when we set back in our assumptions and decide our own reality and decide that their intention is not what, what they say it is and they don't really mean it for my good, it could be that you're missing out on the benefits of someone else and what they could offer in your life. So strike number three, Eliab, he's wrong about that. Lastly, in this idea of the reality of assumptions is you'll see that David was concerned. Now what was the assumption that was made? The assumption that was made that was the only reason he was, the, was here was out of pride and because he wanted to see the battle. But that's not true. In fact, you see it in verse number 26, uh, or verse number 29, probably the most familiar verse in this, this text. It says, David said, what have I now done? Is there not a cause? I believe this with all my heart. That David, David wasn't, and you know, David's still a young man at this time, so we're not sure about every part of David's personality, every aspect of his life. But the Bible doesn't give us any idea that David was here just to see some blood and gore. He wasn't here just to rub it in the face of his older brothers. In fact, it really seems like because, because when it comes down to it, David is going to have the courage to stand against Goliath. So your intentions would have to be pretty true if you're going to stay faithful all the way to facing Goliath by yourself and being obedient to God. I think it's unquestionable his intentions had to be real. They had to be true. And Eliab assumed that his intentions were wrong and his intentions were wicked when really he was just concerned with the condition of his nation. I think David is standing there in shock. He probably does come off a little bit arrogant because he's so shocked that out of all of these men who claim to know God, out of all of these men who claim to be warriors, nobody has the guts to stand up to Goliath. So, I mean, Eliab's here looking at David, and he takes his as arrogance, but David says, I'm just concerned about my nation. How in the world will none of us stand up and fight this Philistine? So, the reality of his assumptions were very different. Now, let me look at this. And I don't want to preach a whole other message on top of a message, but I want you to look at the reason for Eliab's assumptions. And it's hard to look at Eliab's life without, without looking at his bitterness and his envy and some of the underlying things that had led to these assumptions. These are the things that had led him to this false reality of who David was and what he was doing and what his attentions were. Now, now look at a couple of these things. First of all, one of the reasons I think for this extreme assumption in Eliab's life is because of David's anointing. He's going to let bitterness and envy drive these assumptions. The bitterness and envy are the ones who are creating this reality to Eliab. Now go with me back to chapter number 16, and I want you to look at verse number 6. You're familiar that this is the anointing of David. God had sent Samuel to the house of Jesse, and Samuel and the elders of the city come to Jesse's house, and 
Look with me in verse number 6. If you're there in chapter 16, it says, And it came to pass when they were come that he looked on Eliab and said, Surely the Lord's anointed is before thee. So obviously that's how it seemed to always work in the nation of Israel. The firstborn had the birthright. The firstborn usually carried the responsibility. So obviously Jesse and all his brothers are thinking Eliab is the oldest. He's going to be the one that's going to be the king of Israel. But in verse number 7, it says, The Lord said unto Samuel, Look not on his countenance or on the height of his stature, because I have, notice this, I have refused him. Now, it has to be, and we're just connecting the dots tonight, but I think this has to be true, that Eliab's attitude toward David had begun when he was refused and David was accepted. And you know the story how they went through all the brothers and nobody ever thought it would be David. They finally called David and that was the one that God had to anoint king. Now God knows the beginning from the end. And if chapter 17 is any indication of Eliab's attitude, then I would say God made a good choice in not choosing Eliab. He made a good choice in choosing David because David had much more character and a much greater attitude. But it starts, it had to have started with his bitterness. That David, he was envious of David and David had something that he wanted. And now his bitterness is driving his assumptions. I'm telling you, if we're not careful, we'll become envious of someone, bitter of someone. This could be in church. This could be in family. This could be on your job. This could be with friends. Somebody else will get something that you want, and all of a sudden, every assumption that you make in their life is negative. Not Not only was he bitter because of David's anointing, but also I want you to notice he didn't like David's attention. Now let's go back to chapter 17, back to our text, and look with me in verse number 26. It says, And David spake to the men that stood by him. Now look at verse number 28. And Eliab, his eldest brother, heard when he spake unto the men, and Eliab's anger was kindled against David. It was bad enough that David stole the show when Samuel showed up at Jesse's house to anoint him as king. But now here David comes to the battlefield and Eliab had followed Saul to war. No doubt as every young man follows a king with visions of of, of valor and great acts of courage. And now David shows up and again David is stealing the show in Eliab's life. Someone else is paying David attention and he can't stand it. He is so upset that David has the attention that he wants and now the lack of attention in his life is driving his assumptions. You see his envy so evident. Look, look thirdly, not only was he upset about the anointing and the attention, I've hit on this a little bit already, but I think he was upset with David's attitude. Now remember, Eliab and the rest of the nation of Israel, they're standing here in fear. They don't have the courage that David, and how about them? all of us, especially that are older siblings, all of us can relate to this a little bit. What about the younger brother that's smaller, ruddy, he's, he's, he's never, nobody would ever thought he would be a warrior. What about him showing up and he's the one with all the courage? You know that's going to hurt. That's going to be painful if you're the oldest sibling. And here, not only, David's already got the anointing. David's all, he's got all the attention. Everybody wants to talk to David. And now he's got all the courage. He's the one, he's the one person out of this group of men that's willing to stand up and do something about the situation. And it makes Eliab mad. And his assumptions are coming from his envy. He can't stand what David has going for him. He can't stand it. I'm telling you, this is, this is one of those messages. I don't like it because it's so personal. It's so real. But every one of us experienced time in our life where somebody else had what we wanted. 
and, and somebody else that looked like God was blessing their life and, and we didn't like how it was going for them, so we start to allow that to drive assumptions of the reality in their life. And I'm telling you, it'll always, complain, it'll always paint a different picture than it really is. Now, look at this. You see the reality of his assumption? The reason for his assumption, but notice this. There was a revelation of his assumptions. I'm telling you, assumptions, not only are they a great tool of Satan, but assumptions are a great tool for us. Because when you start to make assumptions, you can use those in your favor. Because assumptions will reveal something about who you are. Your assumptions reveal things in your life. And they're going to reveal some things in a liar's life. Now let me show you four things that his assumptions reveal in this text. First of all, his assumptions revealed his perception. This is how he viewed David. See, you know this, assumptions can be good or bad. They can be negative or positive in our life. And usually our assumptions of someone is based on our feelings towards someone. If it's somebody that you really like, you'll always assume the best, sometimes to a fault. We've seen that happen a lot in situations where people would turn a blind eye to something that should be addressed because they just assumed the best because they liked that person. On the flip side, if it's somebody that you don't like, your assumptions will always assume the worst. You'll always, your mind will paint the worst picture possible because your depravity doesn't like that person and, and you're, hoping that that, you're hoping that the picture you're painting in your mind is true. Well, this reveals his feelings toward David. This didn't all happen in one moment. No way at all that all of this happened in just a few verses of David showing up. No, this is something that had been going on a long time in a life's life. This is something he's been dealing with for a long time, all the way back to the anointing, all the way when he sees the attention David has. and I mean, he just doesn't want David to succeed. It's embarrassing to him. He's the older brother. He doesn't want David to succeed. So now his assumptions, even though they're not true, remember, David was responsible. He didn't leave the sheep. He didn't come in pride and arrogance. He wasn't just here to see the battle, but his assumptions are painting David negatively because that's what his true feelings are toward David. So if you want to know how you feel about somebody, what are your assumptions about somebody? What is the, the things that you don't know about their life when you're thinking about them? And Lord knows, if you, have, if you struggle with bitterness with somebody, all of us have been there. Man, they'll be on your mind all of the time, a whole lot more than they should be. And all the time, they're, they're on your mind. And you'll be thinking about them, and you'll be putting in all these missing pieces to their life. And you'll be assuming all, I mean... My soul, we could go through thousands of examples, but I mean, some of the things that we assume is, you know, they're talking about me right now. You know, they think this about me. How, is, how, is, how many of us have ever had a situation where maybe you met somebody and maybe your personalities just didn't mesh very well? And uh, sometimes it'll be a situation that plays out and, and you'll think that person didn't like you and, and you come to find out later they thought the same thing about you. Well, you didn't ask me to sit with you or whatever the situation is. And you'll have two people making their own assumptions that end up being friends. But in the beginning, they made these assumptions at, and they were just putting all these pieces together that wasn't true. So that's what's going on here in, a, in his life. So your assumptions, listen, 
if you if you need to know if you want to know what relationships you need to work on in, in your family or the family of God, if you want to know which relationships are, are having problems and the ones you may need to work on, it's probably the ones that you're assuming bad things about. Now, now listen, sometimes your assumptions may be true. Sometimes people do bad things. But we, we make people out to do a lot of things that we have no proof or no evidence that they did. That's what's going on in this life. Now, let me show you secondly. Not only, everybody okay? Not only does... This is not near as, as tough as Brother David's message a few weeks ago. Somebody say amen right there. Not only does it reveal his perception, but you'll also see that his assumptions reveal his pride. Now, and I can't get ahead of myself uh, because I'll deal with this a little more in my next point. His, now, when his assumptions reveal his perception, that's how he views David. But his assumptions reveal, uh, reveal his pride, and that's how he views himself. Now in his assumptions, we not only see his view of his brother, but we see his view of himself. That Eliab thinks he's something. He thinks he's the one that should get all the attention. And that, that's two things your assumptions will do. Your assumptions will tell you how you view someone else, and your assumptions will reveal how you think about yourself. It, it will show you how much you like yourself. When, when, when you always, when there's somebody that you think is better than you or they have something that you want and, and all you can do is put them down and, and all you can do is assume the worst in their life, then that reveals not only how we see that person, that, but that reveals that we think a little bit too much about who we are. Isn't that evident in Eliab's life? Eliab, Eliab is not all that he thinks he is. He's not all that he's cracked up to be, but he has the idea that he's the superior. He has the idea that David's nothing. David's a nobody. I'll say a little bit more about that in a minute. His perception, his pride. But thirdly, and this is an interesting aspect of this verse, his assumptions, they reveal his proclivity. Now, now your proclivity, it's just your tendencies, your natural tendencies, your default. And you know what's so interesting about assumptions that is so painful to admit? That usually our assumptions of someone else reveal what we would do if we were in that situation. David is actually not, Eliab's actually not painting the picture of what David is doing. Eliab's really painting us a picture of what he would do if he were David. Because if he were David, he would have come to the battlefield out of pride. If he were David, I'm telling you, this is so true, it's painfully true in our life, that usually our assumptions, sometimes we can be very, very wrong about our assumptions with someone else. And a lot of times when we're wrong, it's because we've told on ourselves. We've revealed what we would have done. Our assumptions have painted where, what our tendency would have been if we were in that situation. That's what assumptions do in our life. Lastly, and I want you to notice this, and I'll get to my last point, but under the revelation of his assumption, I want you to notice that it revealed his passions. Now look with me in verse number, uh, verse number 28. I want to read this again. I skipped quite a bit of reading. But look at verse number 28. It says, And Eliab, his eldest brother, heard when he spake unto, unto the men, and notice the next phrase, And Eliab's anger was kindled against David. His assumptions, it revealed his emotion. Now all of a sudden, how many times, I'm telling you, I've, I've struggled with this before. I know, I'm sure every one of us have. How many times have you dealt with intense emotions based on assumptions of things that were not even true? 
He's angry. I mean, angry enough to speak out and make a scene. Eliab's making a scene in these few verses. I guess that's the best way to define it. I mean, he's making a scene. He's pitching a fit about what David's doing. And he's so, because he can't be quiet anymore, he's so stirred with anger that he burst out and he says something that's really an embarrassment to us. Have you ever done that? I hope I'm not the only one that's ever done that. That, that I assume something about somebody Almost, almost to the point that I couldn't stand it anymore. It'll mess with your emotions. There are people who sit around angry at people that the person they're angry at has no idea. And what they're angry about may not have even happened. But it's a reality to them. They've already painted the picture. That person had to have said something. They had to have done this. And we've put all the pieces together. And we've been the, the spiritual detective. And we've got this case cracked. I know exactly what happened. And I'm mad about I'm mad about And it's stuff they don't even have evidence of. So, and, and truth be, as a Christian, we're supposed to be forgiving whether they actually do it or not. But a lot of times we hold grudges over things that we've just assumed. And they never even actually happened. We waste a lot of time, we waste a lot of our life dealing with emotions that come from things that happen in our own reality, but they never actually happen. That's how, I'm telling you, that's how Satan works in our life. That's what Eliab's doing. Eliab is he's so angry, and David thinks, what? Why are you, what are you talking about, Eliab? He begins to accuse him, and, and David has to be surprised. That's not my intentions, and I'm telling you, there's no doubt there's probably somebody here that, that you're angry, bitter, upset, whatever it is, at somebody. And if you knew, that, if that person knew that you were upset, they would be surprised. They, they would just be, they would be floored because, because you've, you've made this reality in your mind. That was the revelation. I hope that makes sense. That's the revelation of his assumption. Let me give you this lastly, and I'm done. I want you to see the result of his assumptions. How did this play out in Eliab's life? Now, this is really the last time that we hear about Eliab. He's mentioned again in the Chronicles and just in dealing with the lineage of Jesse and David. But this is, this is the last thing we hear about Eliab. We don't know what becomes of his life. But how does these assumptions... And listen, I think this is a personality thing. I'm telling you, talking about assumptions and emotions, it, it does the same thing with anger. Sometimes it does the same thing with depression and anxiety and worry because... You know, most of the time with anxiety and depression and worry, we're assuming things that have never happened. But we just assume that the worst is going to take place. And assumptions will drive our emotions. If you let them, I tell you, if you let them, assumptions will drive your emotions strongly in the wrong direction. But I want you to notice how this plays out in a lives life, and I'm done. First of all, his assumption resulted in division. Now, Eliab makes the statement in verse number 28. He throws out all of these accusations. I mean, this has built up for a long time, and he's letting it all out. David, I've got you figured out. I know who you are. You rascal, you're just down here to, to see what's going on, and you don't, care about, you don't care about your sheep. You don't care about our family. You don't care about the nation. You don't care about anything. I got you figured out, David. So he hurls all of these accusations. Now, David responds probably the way any of us would. Look at verse 29. And David said... What have I now done? Do you know what this question is? It's a, re it's a revelation that none of Eliab's assumptions are based in facts. He confronts all of these things Eliab said. And again, Eliab doesn't know the whole story. Eliab doesn't know that it's Jesse that sent him. Eliab doesn't know. He's, he's not. Do you know what would have fixed this? 
a conversation between these two people would have, would have went a long way in this situation. A lie of just asking instead of accusing. Most of the time, and, and there's question marks, but we all know it's not really a question. A lie of throwing out accusations. And he could have asked a little bit. I'm telling you, one thing that would fix assumptions in our life is just to ask, just to have a conversation. But that's not how our, that's not how our mind works most of the time. Our mind doesn't want to have a conversation. Our mind doesn't want to confront. We just want to assume the situation. So here we go, division. Look at verse, so David says, 29, back there text, what have I now done? Is there not a cause? You know, <laughs> David's trying to remind alive, is this not why we're here? Is to, you know, to fight the enemy? This is the nation of God, the nation of Israel. This is God's people. Is there not a cause? Verse 30, notice this. This is what happens when you make assumptions. And he turned from him toward another. David said, obviously I'm not getting anywhere with Eliab. Obviously, this conversation's not going anywhere. And what could have been a relationship, what could have been a union, what could have said, hey, how about we're brothers and let's fight this job together? Surely two of us can take him. I mean, I know he's a big guy, but surely a couple of us can jump him at the same time. But what could have been a relationship ends up being a division. David turns away from Eliab, and there's nothing else that's spoken. Do you know so many times what assumptions do whether it's in church, family, job, uh, whatever, school, whatever, youth group, my soul, young people, so many times as young people, you make assumptions because a lot of times we're so insecure at that stage in our life anyway, and you assume this person doesn't like you, or you assume this person likes this person better than they like you, and I mean, you've got all these assumptions that are going through your mind. If you're not careful, you'll live your life based on those assumptions, and a lot of times what it'll do is it'll divide you from people that you could have a relationship with. People you could, people who could benefit you. We already talked about the fact that David could have been a benefit to his brothers. He brought them, he brought them supplies. He was there to help them. But because of his assumptions, he's now turned David away. And David's going to talk to somebody else. I mean, what good is it going to do to talk to Eliab? And I'm telling you, we have to be so careful in our life that we don't allow assumptions to divide us from people that we sh that's what that's one, I mean I'm telling you we, we're independent Baptists and sometimes we put an emphasis on independent and this irritates me so bad about sometimes and I, I guess it's just people it's not just independent Baptists but it irritates me so bad how so many times we're supposed to be on the same team and we can't quit fighting each other here's two here's two guys that should have been the same objective the same purpose but they're 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 mad at each other because of assumptions I'm telling you, assumptions will do that in your life. Uh, secondly, it caused division. It caused disparagement. This is so dangerous. I, I, I don't know if Eliab really understood maybe what he was doing. He might be embarrassed if he had to read the story. If he knew the story like we knew it, Eliab might be a little bit embarrassed about the way that he acted in this text. But I want to pull out this phrase that he said. Uh, he said, with whom hast thou left those few sheep in the wilderness? What his assumptions resulted in him disparaging his brother. I mean, to the place that, here's what Eliab's saying when he says those few sheep. He's trying to put David in his place. He's trying to remind David that your job is not as important as mine. Don't you understand? I'm a soldier. I'm a warrior. I followed Saul here. <laughs> Who'd you leave your few sheep? Man, he, he, must have been, he must have been a southerner. Because he throws out this little comment 
and I could see him looking over his shoulder and make sure everybody else is looking when he says this. Who'd you leave your few sheep with, David? Because that's all you're good for is a little shepherd out there. That was a comment. He was, trying to, he was trying to embarrass David in front of everybody there. It was because of his assumptions. He's disparaging his brother. That's a wicked thing to do. That's what he's doing in this text. Look, lastly, and I'm done. Uh, his assumptions, they were a distraction in his life. Now, I've already said it. Their purpose of being here was to fight the enemy. They were in a, they were in a tough place, a tough place as a nation. I mean, this, this champion of the Philistines was standing against them, cursing their God. And even though Eliab wasn't, he wasn't chosen to be the king, God could have used Eliab. No doubt in my mind, if Eliab would have had the same courage that David had, God could have used Eliab just like he used David if Eliab would have been willing to stand. But he was so focused, he was so worried, even if, even if everything about David was true that he said, he was so consumed with David's life that he had forgotten the reason that he was here. He had forgotten his purpose. These assumptions were a distraction. I'm telling you, Satan is so good at this, it's embarrassing how good Satan is at this, that he, one of the greatest ways he will distract you from your purpose is he'll get you interested in someone else's life. And you'll become consumed with someone else's life, and you'll make all these assumptions about someone else's life. And all you can do is look at what God's doing in their life. All you can do is look at the opportunity that they have when you're missing the opportunity and the purpose that God has put right in front of you. I heard, I can't even tell the whole story, probably shouldn't because I can't tell the whole story right, but I heard an illustration just the other day. And it was just, it was just kind of a, fa- a fictitious illustration. But there, there was these several men that had a co-worker and this co-worker was a sainted man. In fact, I think the illustration was Catholic, but uh, we'll make it Baptist tonight. But this guy, was like, he was like a sainted man who was known for being so good. They had never called him in any sin. And all the, co-workers would, all the co-workers would go around and they would try to get him involved. Well, they said one day Satan showed up with the co-workers and Satan said, Guys, let me show you how to do this. And somehow the story went, Satan went up to the man and he reminded him of his brother that had gotten a position that he wanted years ago. They said all of a sudden on that man's face, there came a scour, and his whole countenance fell. And Satan walked back and said, guys, that's how you do it. And I'm telling you, that's how Satan so many times deceptively works in our life. He'll, he'll bring something up. He'll get us consumed with someone else's life, and our mind will run wild. With Let me just remind you of my title, as rude as it is. Whatever you're, whatever you're so upset about, Whoever you're so upset with, whoever you think you have figured out, you don't know as much as you think you know. Eliab didn't know the whole story. And it's always true. It's always true in our life. We never know as much as we think we know. And Eliab was so confident. I don't know. I don't know how Eliab's life was supposed to turn out, but it didn't turn out good. We don't hear anything else about Eliab. Now David comes on the scene. David is the one who God blesses and God exalts. Don't tell me for a second that Eliab couldn't have been right there by David's side. When, when, when David was in the wilderness, when David became the king, Eliab could have been right there enjoying the blessings of God with David. Even if he wasn't the king, he could be enjoying the blessings of God with David. But we don't read about that happening because he allowed assumptions to control his life. Let's stand together. You have the message. Mr. Gene, if you will, make your way to the piano. She's going to play a hymn of invitation.
We made it through it. Uh, I know that was a bumpy message. I don't, I don't like messages like that. Place where God meets with his children.